Hello, welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. I've just been sitting here looking out my window, watching a great blue heron caught a bluegill fish. He's been fooling with them, walk around with them. He kind of attacks them, shakes them a little bit, throws them back down. Finally, I think he's finally eating them. The fish was a pretty good size bluegill. It's amazing watching that big old stork bird walk around in the water. When he first holding it, I really thought it was a frog, big old bullfrog. But it was this nice bluegill fish. I guess if I had a choice of either eating a frog or a nice fish, I'd take the fish also. It's amazing to watch nature. It really is. Just want to make a point here. My podcasts are not historical podcasts. Even though some of what I talk about are based in the history of an area I speak about so much in North Central Colorado, people have encouraged me to make a historical podcast, but all I'm doing is telling you my memory, how I remember things. I do a little bit of research so I make sure I'm somewhat accurate, but memory's a funny thing. Ten people can witness a car accident at an intersection and get ten different responses to what actually happened anyway. So if I can help you just spur that memory or help paint a picture of somewhere I've been, something I've done, through my words, I've done my job. Then if you want a historical account of it, you can Google it and see what you come up with. But even history is just somebody remembering something and putting their version down. Little town I was raised in, right to the south of town and over the hill, there were railroad tracks and the river. Then on the east end of town, there was down there below the hill by the tracks was Bill's Modern Court. South and west of that a little was a sawmill, big sawmill with a great big burner. And south of that was employee housing and it was a big area there, a bunch of acres. It took up a lot of room down there. We called it the Broderick Camp, where people lived. That burner was always burning. I'd get up first thing in the morning when I was a little boy and go outside for all my adventures. And the first thing I always did is I looked over down the hill and across the way and past Main Street and down another hill. There was that burner smoking. Maybe not a cloud in the sky. Sky as blue as blue can be. Airs as crisp as a honey crisp apple. Here's this burner just smoking away. I always thought that that burner was the reason we had afternoon thunderstorms. But really those thunderstorms, it cloud up and you hear little thunder rumbling. All of a sudden you get a little rain and be clear again. Sun is shining. Beautiful day. Nothing like what we get here in the Midwest, where you may have three days of rain and not even see the sun. Up there in north central Colorado, 8,000 feet above sea level, you're really closer to the sky than you are in most of the United States. And it is a refreshing experience. Logging was a very important industry to that area I grew up in. It's what really helped build the population that in the railroad. It was probably the main industry, that in mining. 
for years and years. They didn't have the ski areas in the national park. Two of the three of the lakes weren't even created back in the 40s. My dad's grocery store was a very busy store. He made a good living, worked very hard, but his main clientele that he tried to cater to were the loggers and the people in the sawmill and the camp there. People working the railroad and the miners and the mechanics. My dad always said that the big shots around the county were more likely to burn you on a grocery bill than the guy working out in the woods. Those people, even during tough times, would always pay their bill. If they couldn't pay the whole thing, they'd come and talk to my dad, make arrangements. My dad admired that very, very much. If it wasn't for the loggers, wouldn't have had those logging roads that went clear back up into the mountains. Later on in life, when I would go camping, I'd always follow a logging road up. You could get way, way back there where nobody ever was. Try backpacking along the Continental Divide or something, you'd see people all over the place. It was just amazing to me that you could just get in your four-wheel drive pickup truck and take off. You'd be up there in the middle of nowhere. The only reason you knew there was any civilization at all is thanks to those loggers making that road for you. When I was probably 12, 13 years old, that burner caught fire one night and it burnt and it burnt and the fire department was down there. You may wonder how a burner that burns wood could catch fire like that. Well, that pine is a soft wood and it's full of sap and burning that sap creates creosote. Back there in your wood-burning fireplace or your airtight wood stove or even your pot-belly stove, you need to clean those chimneys out because that creosote would build up and catch fire and it could burn your house down. So every year we clean our chimney before we ever burn in the fall. That practice I take with me here. I clean my chimney every fall. A lot of people say, oh, why do you need to do that? And I understand here in the Midwest we have hardwoods like oak and whatever. And it does not build up the creosote like that pine did. But I do it anyway. Every fall I get up on my roof and I clean that chimney up and down with those brushes I go. Up and down and up and down. I think it's a pretty good practice myself. I think everybody should do it. Just because all you burn is oak doesn't mean you couldn't have a chimney fire. Well that burner, I think they had to replace it. And what they replaced it with wasn't as big, wasn't as nice wasn't as big and black and brown. Maybe it was more modern and not so old-fashioned. I don't know, but it never was quite the same. Today, there's no burner there. There was a little sawmill maybe for particle board or something like that that they put over on the other side of the highway, over on the other side of the viaduct. The logging industry is all but gone from there anymore. Pine beetles came and decimated the forest and where there was beautiful, wonderful evergreen trees everywhere, all of a sudden you saw these dead red trees on the hillside. My brother was a logger and he always said that if they would just clear cut around a pine beetle area, it would stop the pine beetles because they could only fly so far before they had to land and find a host tree for them to stop and breed and rest. 
And those trees, if they were not six inches in diameter, the beetle would just leave them alone. Well, the good old environmentalists, or maybe it's our government, somebody didn't believe in clear-cut the forest. We just soon let the beetles kill them. Now, I'm not here to voice my views, and I'm sure not going to get in any environmental arguments here. But what I do know is they had quite a fire up in that area this last year, and I can't help but think that all those dead, dry, old trees were nothing but a tinderbox by then. Whatever. That sawmill was a big operation based out of Denver, they even owned our hardware store for a while there. Old Jack ran it. It was definitely a big part of the early days of my little town, but you would never know it looking there today. There are parks and ball fields where that employee housing was, where that burner and sawmill stood, and not even a sign of the days in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. That burner is really an icon of the town, standing there proud as could be, smoking away for everyone to see. After World War II, the whole nation went through a boom. And up there in north-central Colorado, which I will always call home, they made tunnels under the Continental Divide. They built large reservoirs. The ski industry was not as big, but that industry started to boom right along with everything else. More and more people took up skiing. And more and more people drove up there or took the train. Everything always changes. I know that for a fact. Our world is not like it was in the 1950s and the 1960s. And in a lot of ways, that is a good thing. In a lot of ways, that's a sad thing. But it is what it is. It's always been this way and it always will be. Did you ever see that movie, Stand By Me? To give you a short synopsis of that movie, there are four boys, probably about 12 years old, lived in a little town, and they had heard that up the railroad tracks, maybe 10 miles, there's a body of a man laying in the river that ran along the tracks. And so they set out on a big adventure to look at that body. And they ran across all kinds of obstacles and problems and all kinds of things that would probably make somebody with lesser grit turn around and go home. Somehow they carried on. Well, I had a version of that, but not quite so great. And they would never make a movie of it. But there were four of us. I believe there was Bill, Wayne, Stuart, and me. And Stuart came to school one day with a story that down at the Broderick camp... There are some older girls out there sunbathing every afternoon. And we could go and he knew where we could stand and watch them sunbathe. No one even know we were there. Said they were real pretty and maybe even told us their names. I mean, we knew everybody and everybody knew us. So we organized an adventure to go down there. And I remember we crossed Main Street. We climbed over the guardrail scampered down the hill. It was all great big boulders and rocks and big round rocks. Got down the bottom of the hill. We started going towards the camp. Well, first thing we came across was the railroad tracks. Stuart pulled a big flat penny out of his pocket and said, I come down here all the time. I put pennies on this track. Look what they do to them. 
just flattens it out. That sucker is probably bigger than a silver dollar, just flat as a piece of paper, I guess, flat as could be. You could tell maybe it was a penny because of the color of it. And we, wow. He said, yeah, come down with me. We'll, we'll do that. But you got to be careful because it could cause the train to derail. And the whole train could crash because of your penny. And if they do that, we'll go to prison. Wow. Okay. When can we do that, Stuart? Well, Stuart didn't know. You know, he didn't know. The next time he was going to be in town. Lived a little bit outside of town. And so, okay, we got to keep focus. We got to go to the camp. We got to go see those girls. So then we were trying to negotiate the river there. And we just didn't quite know how to do it. The rivers in that country are not deep. And they can run fairly rapidly. And usually you can just wade across and just get your shoes wet and maybe the bottom of your jeans. Not a big deal. We started to trudge across the river. And all of a sudden we could hear these yells. And hey, hey, hey! And we looked up. And there are four or five boys that were much older than us. I'd say they were 15 or so, maybe older, much larger. And they were running at us yelling, we're going to get you, we're going to get you. Talk about panic in the camp. We all freaked out. We turned around, we started running. We knew if we could get up that hill, they wouldn't get us. And they were gating on us and we were running and I think Stuart fell. Come on, Stuart, come on, Stuart, come on. We were running, we got across railroad tracks, we got across the field there, we started scampering up the hill. You could hear them in the background, they were yelling at us. Finally, we climbed over that guardrail right there on the highway, cars whizzing by us. Turned around, we looked down the hill, the guys had stopped running after us. They're shaking their fists and yelling at us. So a couple of us got real brave and we yelled something back. Those big boys down there just shook their head, turned around, headed back from where they came from. I was so full of fear, I don't even know who they were or where they came from. Like I said, everybody knows you and you know everybody. And there is no way in the world I could have identified those guys if I wanted to. Maybe we took off before we could really see them well. But I think that I just so panicked. And we looked at each other and we were all feared for our lives. That's a fact. Now I'm sure that they would have caught us. There would have been some kind of confrontation and it probably wouldn't have went any further than that. All they wanted to do was scare us and scared us they did. We never ever tried to go down to the camp ever again. I don't know if what Stuart told us about those girls was true or not. They usually had some kind of story that made you kind of wonder. I still wonder that today. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived at our website, there are links to many places you can hear our podcast, pictures of the country that I speak about so often, a link to where you can purchase our book, Got a Job, Thank you so much for riding along today. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. I could not do this podcast without you. If you like our podcast, all I ask is that you share it. In the course of your life, never forget to be kind. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out.